The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that if you pull on an armadillo's head and tail, you can expand it like a slinky to a length of 14 or 15 feet? <laughs> it never shrinks back again. That's why when you see one of those long armadillos walking around, it's because somebody stretched it out. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. I did not know that either. But for more armadillo-related facts and to unlock a bonus content, check us out at patreon.com slash club. Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to the Dragon Reread, where we're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Michael Sparkman. And today we're covering chapters 43 through 46 of The Fires of Heaven, book 5 of The Wheel of Time. But before we begin, I just want to say congratulations because this is our 50th episode of The Dragon Reread. Oh, sweet. Wow. Yeah. We've been doing this for, what, like 70 years? Something like that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think we worked out that by the time we're like 180 years old, we'll have finished the series. So we're on the, we're on the right track. <laughs> we're, like, we're really into it. Previously, Nynaeve met the Prophet, gets Galad to help them out, and recruits a small army of Shonarans over the course of like two hours. Hashtag Tower Nynaeve. It's that dress. It's the, it's the dress. <laughs> so, so she was against wearing a dress, but like, I mean, we can't argue. Everything's going right for her when she wears the dress. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, Rand's preparing for an epic showdown with Kuladin and the Shido Aiel. Uh, Matt drops some brilliant strategic knowledge like it's just no big deal, but he finally decides to get that hell out of Dodge. And that's kind of all that happened, but that's not a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chapter 43. This place, this day. Icon, the full Aes Sedai symbol. Speaking of things happening... <laughs> there are certainly things happening. I love these chapters. Man, this is great. I was thinking that too. I've like, been waiting for this for the whole book because I remember how awesome this is. Yeah, I, this was the best Wheel of Time chapters I've read, I think, in the entire series. It reminded me of why I love this series so much. Yeah, yeah these are some, some very epic chapters. So Rand wakes up on the day of the battle. His Aiel are ready to go with the, the, plan, uh, the, uh, the plan of battle against the Shido. And he prepares with the clan chiefs this is kind of a solemn occasion. Like he has this this uh, this this awareness of that no matter what happens, people are going to die. Like even mm-hmm. if they're at the most successful you can possibly imagine, people are going to die. Yeah, he's very fatalistic about it. But what's interesting too for me is it feels like in these chapters he started really embracing might be too strong a word, but acknowledging his past lives as a loose Theron. And mm-hmm. he's thinking about this battle that's coming and he says there will be a next time and one beyond that and one beyond that. And at first I thought he was talking about all the battles that Randall Thor was going to have to face, but mm-hmm. then I thought maybe he's thinking across those lives and the right. wheel turning. Yeah, it's a little ambiguous. I wasn't sure. Yeah. But this this type of stuff that he's doing here is a lot closer to loose Theron stuff than it is Randall Thor stuff. So I wonder if it's just bringing it out of him. And he thinks back to his... Uh, his his wife too, Luz Theron's wife, Ileana. Mm-hmm. He references her, which made me curious: Is she supposed to have a counterpart in Randall Thor's time? I don't know if she. So, so the reason Luz Theron is around is because he's one of the heroes of legend, right? And he's so he's one of those people who would be like hanging out in, in the dream, in between things, and woven back and forth in the pattern. Is that right? I don't know if that's true or not. Okay, so maybe Luz Theron isn't one of those. Although heroes of legend definitely know him. But that maybe just because they knew him when he was alive. He was alive for a thousand years or something, right? Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's, that's possible. I, I, I suspect that Ileana was not one of those heroes, though, right? I mean, mm. I have no idea. She, yeah. We, don't, we haven't heard anything about her being reincarnated, but it's mm-hmm. possible. Okay. So as he's heading out, Land confronts Rand about the sword he's wearing. <laughs> this is... Okay. <laughs> this, this is actually pretty dumb, right? Like, yeah, Rand's rationale is like, well, it's not really fair if I use my magic powers. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, you're the dragon fucking reborn. You better use your fucking magic powers. Because what Lan has figured out, and Moraine has figured out, and everybody else has figured out, is that Rand is wearing this sword because he wants to fight Kuladin. I know! This is so dumb! <laughs> I mean, he's been training and, and so on, like, he's been doing all this practice, and I guess he's technically sort of a blade master, but still, that's like... High risk, low reward kind of situation, right? right? Yeah, it, even Land says, "Yeah, he's a bad dude, so have him arrested. Send a thousand people just to go kill him or something." Right? right. This is pointless. Why is he doing it? Because his it, it didn't seem so much that it was like a personal like I, 
I want to I want to punish you because you did bad things. It seems I to use the word again. I guess just like he thinks that fate is going to bring them together no matter what. I think he's just angry at Kuladin. I think he blames Kuladin for all that has gone wrong with his taking over of the Aiel. Mm-hmm. And he's got a point. Yeah, he's got a raging justice boner. Like like he's been walking through Kyrian, seeing all this like torture and all this horrible stuff, and all I think that's ha- that's having an effect on him. I think he's having he's kind of he's he's it's weighing on his soul to know that he sort of caused this by pushing Kuladin out into the out into the world. You know, I'm sure he feels responsible and feels like the way to deal with it is personally, which is but, wrong. I, well, what Land seems to think is just because he's a young dumbass. I, I mean, which seems to be that, pretty. That I think that's probably true, right? I mean, yeah. even even if all of those other things are true, it's still like worst case scenario. The Dragon Reborn is killed in that on that battlefield, and then I guess the world falls to shadow forever. Yeah, I mean, I guess one thing to remember is that Rand has never been in a battle before. He doesn't know how unlikely it is that he's actually going to meet Kuladin face to face. Yeah, that's a good point, especially with the size of this battle. So he may just—he may not even realize how stupid a plan this is. No. Yeah, but I also want to say I've missed the cloak talk, and we got a little bit of cloak talk. <laughs> the warder's cloak hung down his back, disturbing the vision as it rippled with his movements. I'm glad to hear he's still wearing it because you know that's a pretty cool cloak. It's a I know. Thing. I've missed good. it. I missed the descriptions of cloaks. How do I know if somebody's a good person or not? That's right. <laughs> that's right. If they're an innkeeper, you can tell whether there's stains on their apron or not. Right. right. Yeah. But you can tell a lot about a man by his cloak. <laughs> it's true. So, luckily for uh, everybody who doesn't want Rand to die in a stupid duel, the maidens force Rand to go to the observation tower instead. Yeah, it's pretty great. They, the, they don't even let him go. And they don't they don't argue with him. They're just like standing there like this. Oh, this is it. And every time he tries <laughs> to talk to him, they just shout back at him. <laughs> yeah, they just <laughs> chant. <laughs> Which is a really good strategy with the little kid too. If they keep, if they want something, you just keep saying the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. We're going to bed now. We're going to bed I was, now. I thought you were going to see going you just shout at them over and over again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the maidens carry your honor. <laughs> <laughs> I tell my son that all the time. <laughs> and uh, he goes up to the tower, and this wasn't clear to me before, but what he and Egwene and Avienda are going to do in the tower is basically an artillery bombardment. Yeah, this is how the battle starts. They they get in the tower with a telescope and they start blowing up hillsides five miles away with the power. And this is exactly where Rand should be, right? Like, any any plan that has him out on the ground is, is a total waste of his talents. Yeah, I know. I, Land should sit him down and say, like, okay, if the Shadow were just standing there, how many of them could you kill with your sword in a day? Yeah. Like, and now how many and they, could like, you Approach you like, one by one in a row, you know, yeah, and right. like, cut him down one by one. Well, it's like using a gun instead of a bomb. Yeah. Yeah. The, the bomb is definitely going to get the job done a lot faster. But, I mean, but I think this this surprised me because this was setting up to be a Tolkien esque fantasy battle, uh, which it still mostly is. But this is artillery, right? This is tactical use of uh, of remote detonations, right? Yeah, and that's something that's from very modern warfare. Can you explain something to me? I was confused. It says that Asmodian had marked the Shido. Oh, uh, he's specifically talking about Kuladin. Asmodian gave him the dragons. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, I understand. Okay, literally marked. Okay, that was confusing, because when he said the Shido, I thought he was talking about the Shido uh, clan. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Yeah, he... Although, what was Kuladin thinking? Like, this this man here is just going to use some magic on me? I don't well, care about that. He may not have been awake when it happened. It may have happened in his sleep, and he woke up and he had the dragons, and he's like, oh, guess that means I'm Kar Karn. Oh, oh yeah. man, that would make it even more dickish. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag Kuladin was framed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. So yeah, and they're blasting the shit out of the Shido. They're they they've identified their positions and they're blowing up hillsides and they've uh, Egwene and Avienda create a storm and they're starting smashing them with lightning bolts, like jets of of rock shooting up from the ground. Yeah, this must be terrifying for the Shido because they didn't even know this was about to happen. Yeah. Oh, and it's so well described too. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, there is a moment here where a memory of Ustaren is a bad memory. And it, it's something that didn't even occur, didn't really occur to me until now. But most of Luz Theron's memories are useful, right? Mm-hmm. But he's got a huge section of his memories that are like madness and like killing his family and stuff, right? Yeah, Luz Theron was crazy. Yeah, so so it's it's interesting seeing because that actually that actually breaks in for a moment because Rand, as we discussed, is sort of giving over to these memories, and then he's like. Oh, too much. <laughs> got some stuff, you know. Got some bad stuff in there too, and and it it has a a pretty negative effect on him because he. I guess he remembers possibly killing Eliana. Uh, I don't. It's not entirely clear what what happened there, but something came into his mind that was not. 
That's happen. that's super cool. That five books in there referencing what was literally the prologue of the first book. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 It's it's planned ahead. So while this is happening, Matt is sneaking out of the battlefield, avoiding the Aiel wherever he can because he wants no part of this. <laughs> and we're gonna see how well that goes. Yeah, it's funny because there's there's a point where he's like, oh, I keep running to these Aiel. Where they, where I told them to be, <laughs> like, because this is this is his plan. They're 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 doing at this point. It's his like strategic outlay, and he right. keeps running into the Aiel where he told them to put him. So yeah, as he's escaping and he's hiding in some woods, he sees a bunch of Aiel waiting to ambush somebody, and he sees a bunch of wetlanders, Terrans and Kyrian, and uh, just about to be ambushed, and he just can't leave them. You know, he's like oh, well, <laughs> he, he's really thinking about it. He's like, well, I could go, but. Oh, man, that'd be real dickish. (laughs) (laughs) And so he goes, and he he realizes that, okay, I'm just going to warn him. I'm just going to warn him. And he goes, and he doesn't just warn him. He actually gives him orders for how to handle the upcoming battle. (laughs) And he's like, okay, that's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to tell him how to handle this. And then then one of them is like, well, why don't uh, don't you just lead us then? You seem to know what you're doing. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm no hero, but yeah, I'll lead this. I'll lead (laughs) you. And the way it's written, it just sort of flows. You know, he's just like one step after another. Like, I'm just going to warn them, then I'm going to ride away. And then he he ends up leading a cavalry charge into the Shire. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love this. There's, There's lots of really interesting army detail. The way Robert Jordan describes the terrain and the forces is just super clear and interesting. And I like how he describes this combined force of Terrans and Kyrianans, who one of their main problems is that they don't like each other and they don't work together well. Yep, yeah, it's really... So yeah, he lays out this this really straightforward strategy, like the, move the pikemen in, form a square, keep everybody else inside the square, and then when the Shido engage the square of pikes, uh, then the other cavalry that they didn't know about will come sweeping in on the wings and crush them. Which is exactly what happens. Yeah, it actually, like, the... The Aiel, I guess, aren't used to dealing with cavalry, which is which makes perfect sense, right? I mean, they don't often come out of the wasteland, and Aiel don't ride horses, so mm-hmm. cavalry are probably not something they're super equipped to deal with. Right, yeah, and they're not expecting good strategy from the wetlanders anyway. Yeah, true. This is another one of those moments where Matt's like, I'm no bloody hero, just hang on a minute while I lead this cavalry charge. <laughs> <laughs> He's literally at the front of it, you know? <laughs> the cavalry charge is following him. This is a great battle. I love it. Yeah, super cool. I love how he shows up and he like... The, I really like how the, he describes all the the different Terran lords and how they have different levels of experience. I wonder if this is an experience Robert Jordan had in his life where the people with the most political power are leading this group, this army, and they're the least experienced. When he goes to the pikemen, like that guy is like a professional soldier and he's very serious and he knows what to do. And yeah, he, he, he's like unflappable. He doesn't react to anything. He's like, he's just doing his job. It's kind yeah. of interesting, interesting difference as opposed to these Lord generals who are, who think they're, they know what's going on, but they're, they're doing terrible jobs. With yeah. And it reminded me too of something, I think it was Lan who said it in the eye of the world, how people who seek out war are just fools seeking to do foolish things or something like that. I don't remember how he said oh, I, it. Was that? I think it was Tom Marilyn who said it, and he said, "In wars, fools kill other fools for foolish reasons." Yeah, and so because there's a couple of points where Matt is talking, and the the Terran lords who don't have the experience are really excited and they're ready to go out there and start kicking some ass. But the ones who do have that experience, they're very pragmatic, but they're not looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, they've it, got a job to do. Right. Yeah, and when Matt says you're heading for a, a Shido ambush, the inexperienced ones are excited, like, "Oh boy!" Yeah. And the the experienced ones just sort of like. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, they, they, they're resigned. Yeah. And I like the bit where the one Terran lord that didn't want to hide behind the pikes, when Matt shows up, he's out just getting killed by the Shido, like on his own, and Matt's like, yep, that's good. It's <laughs> <laughs> about right. <laughs> and so this is, this is awesome, right? That, like Matt leads the cavalry charge, the Shido don't see it coming, it smashes into him. Uh, his, this is combined forces, right? These are diff- people from different countries and different types of units. Which is, oh, it's really complicated to organize all this. But Matt manages to, like, come up with this plan and give these orders immediately. Another one of those things where, you know, he's, I'm sure he's had identical battles or, or similar battles a thousand times throughout his many lives. And it's, it's just like, just rattles it off like it's nothing. Yeah, it's fascinating to see how he puts it all together, too, because we get his thought process. And one of the really interesting things to me was how 
uh, Robert Jordan described the geography of the land and how Matt was thinking about that in a tactical way. Yeah, the, it seems like he spends about half of his strategic time thinking about who knows what mm-hmm. and where his army is and what the other army can see. And like the first thing that he's giving them initially, he's giving them the orders and he's pretending to be from the Lord Dragon and he's saying, just stop. Stop making a, a, a dust trail so they don't know where you are. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, anyway, so the battle is joined and we don't really get to see the outcome of this battle right away because a bunch of lightning starts falling from the sky and everything blows up. Which is, I think that's just the chaos of, uh, of a artillery engagement. Yep. Max awesomeness. That's my note. <laughs> Chapter 44. The Lesser Sadness. Icon of a dragon. So Rand has been using his channeling to bombard the enemy. And he's really tired because this is taking a lot of effort. They're working at, at, at a distance. Yeah, it's something I, I guess... I don't know if we knew that this was a thing, but apparently the, the longer the distance, the more power it takes to to create an effect. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. And Eowyn and Avienda are still at it too, but at least they can take turns. Right. Which is good. I mean, Rand probably should take breaks, you know? You, you think so. What's interesting to me is that he recognizes that there's going to be collateral damage when he does this, but it it's not that it, he's okay with it, it, but he accepts it. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like that's a little out of character for the way he used to be, at least. Right. Rand from book one would never have been able to accept that he's going to blow up his own troops. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it's a relatively recent thing. He's There's a, there's kind of like a cold bitterness to him that's not happy about it for sure, but that seems resigned to the fact that he's going to have to make that, some hard choices. That's mm-hmm. probably necessary for his new job, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it feels like the only holdout that Rand still has is his beliefs about women in battle. In combat. Yeah, which but, he's got to drop that sooner or later. That's yeah. pretty weird. It, it feels point. really out of place with all the other stuff that's going on. That, like, he's got his honor guard of the, the Spear Maidens, and he still insists that they not join battle is dumb. I mean, that's a huge waste of resources. Yeah, and being near him isn't even safe, as we learn, because somebody counter-strikes and lightnings his tower. Yeah, you know, maybe keeping all of your important people on top of a great big tower isn't the best idea in the world. Well, I don't think he thought this could happen. Yeah, that's fair. Because he didn't think they were fighting any channelers. Yeah. But what's interesting to me about this is that the lightning the lightning uses ranging fire. Like, it it misses him, and then it gets a little closer, and then a little closer. And that's a thing that uh, indirect fire artillery does, because in order to find the correct range, they do this ranging fire to march towards the enemy and get a little bit closer... And when they're on target, then they just start blasting. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like, I, he describes it, and they don't really give a reason for it, but it could just be a, a reflection of Jordan's experiences in combat. Yeah, I, I wonder if it's just that, or if, or if he, it's actually the case that whoever's doing this, Samael or whoever, uh, is indirect firing. He doesn't know where they are. Well, because at first he thought it was Asmodian. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Which uh, he still doesn't trust Asmodian, but I like Asmodian. I like Asmodian really a lot. Side. He's yeah. definitely my favorite Forsaken. Yeah. <laughs> for he's Forsaken, for he's all right. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard to... It's, it's, it's important to keep in mind that he's probably done some really heinous things over the millennia, but, you know, he seems like a really nice guy. Right, yeah. I bet he's got some cool songs, you know? I yeah, was, right? And, and I'm glad it wasn't him because I think Asmodian is so much more interesting as a character, as somebody who is a possible ally rather than someone who's going to just immediately double-cross him. Yeah, I, I, it feels a little bit to me like Rand might be winning Asmodian over a little bit. Yeah. Not, no, not I, just I, trapping him. I, I think completely that, agree. Yeah, I think that Asmodian believes that if there's any chance of his survival, it's through Rand. And, you know, I don't, I don't know that Asmodian believes the chance is very large, but, I mean, if his life is tied to Rand's, then, yeah, yeah. he's got every... So, if I were inviting Forsaken to a party, number one would be Grendel, but number two would be Asmodian. Agreed, yeah, because Grendel knows how to fuck. <laughs> no joke. But Asmodian would bring the sweet tunes. That's, <laughs> That's right. The party doesn't start till Asmodian walks in. <laughs> That's right. In his thriller jacket or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Ow. Uh, and so there are mass casualties among the maidens because that's what happens when you're in an artillery battle. And uh, this, this Rand's... Uh, I don't know if he comes to grips with this. Rand's... Doesn't do a very good job of protecting them, if that's his goal. Yeah, it's true. And and maybe this is going to help him understand that even if he does everything that he can in his power, people around him are going to get hurt. Right. So. I wonder if this hang-up is, some, is related to Luz Theron's guilt about not being able to protect his wife. Oh, you know, that might make sense. It's possible, yeah. Because it's, kind of, it's kind of extreme even for a Two Rivers dude, mm-hmm. you know? 
like, goes beyond yeah. a sh- like a chivalry kind of thing. Yeah, Matt doesn't seem to have a huge problem with women fighting. No. It's, it's his second favorite thing that women do. <laughs> That's true. And the third one is getting things out of low cabinets. <laughs> <laughs> so Rand blames Samael for doing the attack, which, I mean, probably at this point. It's a good guess. Is that like a process of elimination thing? How did he come up with Samael? Because Samael is the one that's been attacking him the whole time and, yeah. and trying to goad him. Yeah, Samael did the, sent in his, uh, his bumblebees. Samael... The golden bees of Ilian. Yeah, his golden buzzers. Uh, <laughs> he's also raiding uh, Tyr with with pirates or whatever, something like that. So so he knows that Samael is just out to get him right now. Okay. I remember the the golden bees, but I didn't remember that he was also connected to Tyr. It's yeah. something that's like alluded to. I don't know if they go into a lot of detail about it, but we're pretty sure it's him. What, what I, I'm wondering, though, is, okay, if we know that range matters for channeling... Uh, and we know that this this lightning attack with Samael. Does that mean Samael's around, some, like nearby somewhere? Oh, that's a good question. We, I mean, I don't. I, we don't know a lot about how that works, but I would assume that the same rules would apply to Samael unless he has some other yeah. trick. To Samael is is not as strong as Luz Theron was. Exactly. Yeah. So if Rand would have trouble doing magic over distance, Samael would have the same mm-hmm. or more problems. So Rand heads back to the battle. Um, they find out that the four unaligned clans are joining up with each other. And they don't know why, but that's that's going to prevent them from fully going after the Shido because they have to watch out for those other clans. Yeah, could be very good news or very bad news. Yeah. Know. So we go back to Matt, <laughs> and Matt has been in three fights so far. That's right, and now he's got three thousand people under his command. <laughs> yeah, he just keeps collecting these people. Yeah, he started. I think it was like he said like two or four hundred something like that, and now he's got three thousand. Right. He's still thinking about like, okay, now how do I get out of this? <laughs> After he just he's let these people. <laughs> and it, it's nice. so funny too because it seems like every time he tries to move, he's like the eye of a hurricane. The battle shifts with him. Yeah. He couldn't get out of the center of the thing. <laughs> yeah, it's true, yeah. Tavern is not working with him. No. And he's all like, okay, maybe if we head that way, we can get out of here. But then there's always another fight there, and his mm-hmm. men are like, he keeps looking for more fights for us. This is great. <laughs> I'll follow you to the end of the earth. No, I, I'm just going to leave now. <laughs> right. He's like, these guys keep wanting to follow me. How am I going to get out of here? Yeah, I, I like the bit where they keep... The, the men under his command are like, yeah, you're a great general. You, you keep winning these fights. And he thinks, we're not winning these fights. Yeah, that's these, this, this is like a draw. And that last one, they just got attacked by somebody. I don't even know who attacked them. But that distracted them, you know. He's got a, he, he's got a view that none of these people have on, on the truths of the battle. Matt is such a fascinating character because he's incredibly selfish until he's not. Yeah. I mean, I'm, he's always self-serving, but there's more to it than that. It's not that simple. He's like the Han Solo. He thinks of himself as the self-serving guy, but if you can connect with him emotionally, he's incredibly loyal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, he's self-serving only on a, in a, at the most superficial level. Like, in his, like, front brain, he's like, oh, no, I'm going to do what's right for me. But he never actually does. It, seems, it feels like he's always kind of looking out for those people around him. Mm-hmm. Even as he's think, thinking of himself... Why the fuck am I doing this? You know? yeah. yeah, this is not what I do. I'm no bloody hero. <laughs> yeah. He yells as he charges forward. Yeah, right. He shouts in the old tongue. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's sitting there. He's still trying to think of a way to get himself and I guess all these people working for him out of the battle, which is not what you would expect a general to be thinking, but it is. <laughs> when his scouts say that a big group of Shido are coming along and Kuladin is with them. So now Matt's going to fight Kuladin while screaming, I'm no bloody hero in the old time. Yeah, he lays out another ambush. And this time it's going to be a Hannibal-style fake retreat, which is what the, the general Hannibal was famous for because he had a lot of cavalry. Is He would start the fight and then he would pretend to run away so the enemy would chase him and get all out of formation. And then his reserves would come in on the wings and just destroy them. Oh, and there's a kind of funny thing here where he's... He's, he tells his troops to shout out, protect the dragon or something like that. Oh, yeah. So Kuladin thinks that he's got the, he's got Rand with him. Yeah. To draw down Kuladin. <laughs> Matt decides that he's going to stay with the pikes at the back, and all the other lords are like congratulating him because they think that he's there to fight a duel with Kuladin. He's like, no, man, I just wanted to be away from the danger. <laughs> yeah. But I think he does want to fight a duel with Kuladin. Does he? Again, I don't it's, think it's, so. it's, well, it's the kind of thing where he would. In the, in the front of his brain, he's like, I'm just trying to stay safe. But no, I, I mean, like, his actions scream otherwise. Yeah, this is the two rivers shuffle. You know, they never admit to themselves what they're doing. I, 
I don't buy that. I yeah. think that I don't think that he had any real desire to kill Kuladin. I don't think he felt any because we he never indicates that he's upset by all the disaster that Kuladin has wrought on yeah, innocent. He, he does think in that passage like Kuladin probably doesn't know who I am. He probably thinks of me as Rand's friend. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I think he just kills him because Tabarin. I mean, yeah. the same as like when he blew the blew the the horn, right? Yeah, maybe that's it. It's just like he just happened to be there. I mean, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah, but he did lead the cavalry apparently in all the other skirmishes, mm-hmm. and now he's with the pikes. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's always he always seems to be where the heat of the battle is. Yeah, just his luck. But yeah. I'm saying it's the exact same thing when he blew the horn of Valier. He just because he just grabbed it. He just happened to be right there, and he's like, "Well, shit, this needs to happen." So he just took it and did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same thing with Kuladin. So we we leave Matt to engage in yet another battle in this day of battles, and. Rand has run himself completely ragged now, and he's, he's just been riding around and using magic and dueling with Samael until he finally regroups with Moraine and the Wise Ones. Uh, he's kind of forced to by the Maidens. They, they force him to like get off his horse and go back to base camp. And he needs it. He's, he's literally... Um... Like, hallucinating at this point. Yeah, like, the, the, I guess the exhaustion is making the, his, like, latent madness worse. Yeah. It's being weird. It, it, the boundary between Rand and Luz Theron is really permeable now. Yeah, and he hasn't eaten. And I would guess that um, channeling um, takes up, I mean, because it takes so much energy. If you have if you have an empty stomach, that would make it even worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some weird conversations that happen here where Rand just starts, like, Basically speaking, is loose there and without any kind of filter, and it's, yeah. he calls uh, he calls Samael by his yeah by his given name, which is not recorded in history. Yeah, yeah. and that's like, what's going on here? Yeah, <laughs> what? what, what? <laughs> and uh, and he's like, yo, no, I can't rest. I got to go back out there. And Lan has to be like, dude, we won, like crushing victory. We drove them from the field. And he calls him Rand. Mm, what is that? Yeah, Did not do that usually. No, he almost never calls him by his first name. Oh, yeah, he usually calls him Sheep Herder or something. Yeah, that he's like, it is done, Rand, we won. Yeah, there's there's something he says that's that's kind of, that, that I guess it's thematic of, what, uh, of, of the way that Rand thinks about this stuff and probably the way that Robert Jordan thinks about this stuff. Only a battle lost is sadder than a battle won. Mm. So yeah. even though he, he's won, he knows, like, the cost and he knows that, you know, it's not really, still not really a cost to celebrate because how many people died yeah. And meanwhile, Asmodian's out there giving water to the injured. Yeah, that's all right, dude. Yeah. That's pretty cool. He's okay <laughs> for an evil, immortal, mostly immortal being. Mm. I don't know if he's immortal anymore. There's kind of like a cinematic close to this chapter, right? Like, yeah. Uh, Ran, the Battle Warned Hero, collapses, and uh, Asmodian is actually channeling what little power he has into him, like frantically trying to keep him alive. Yeah. I it's mean, kind of interesting. Like, this, if, if Asmodian was going to turn on him, this would be the moment, right? It would be. Yeah, but, he's literally the weakest he's ever been. But he's desperately trying to keep him alive. I thought that was kind of an interesting mm. cinematic scene. Yeah, as Rand passes out. Chapter 45, After the Storm, icon of the rising sun of Kyrian. So Matt is hanging out at the post-victory celebration. Man, Matt always finds his way to the wildest parties. <laughs> this is not the first time this has happened. He's just like sitting there, just like kind of moping around, and there's like... People doing like river dancing or something. And I think he said they're like standing in a line and just like their feet are moving really fast. Like, they're fucking river dancing. Yeah, I think. they're all they're all drinking. They're all singing. There's some like Aiel doing like kick flips and shit. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, it's the the crazy elation of having survived another day. Yeah. I, I like the way he puts it. You know, I might have died yesterday. I might die tomorrow. But today I'm alive. But right. alive, gloriously alive today. Yeah. Uh, and we get, I don't think we got it before, but we get several verses of Jack of the Shadows, which is oh, super yeah. cool. I liked it. I guess that's Matt's theme song now. Yeah, well, he taught it to them. They didn't know Jack of the Shadows. <laughs> and he taught it to them while they were stitching up with all his wounds. Wounds that, of course, he received dueling Kool-Aden. That's right. Yeah, definitely not a hero. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm no hero. I'm just going to go one-on-one the enemy general. <laughs> Um, so, and, and Kuladin's head is on a pike. And they're, I guess, kicking it around or something. Yeah, right? Screw that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I, just a question. Do we know if Jack of the Shadows is a, a song that is present in the modern world? I don't think so. Is he this only, a song that he brought back from his, like... Yeah, he only started singing it. I think he actually started singing it after he got the uh, the dagger, right? 
Oh, I wonder. Oh, maybe. Yeah, from maybe. from Shatter Logoth? Uh, it's possible. I thought I thought it was more recent, maybe like post uh, doorway, but I don't know. I don't know. So, what do you think's the music for that song? I, I can't tell from the from the cadence of the the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts? Uh, I I always sing it in my head. Yeah. How does it go? Oh, where is it? Uh, page seven twenty two. Let's see. <clears throat> Matt's personal verse. There's some delight in ale and wine, and some in girls with ankles fine. But my delight, yes, always mine, is to dance with Jack of the Shadows. That's good. I like it. Oh, very nice. Very that nice. was good. Thank you. Well, if anybody wants to represent Jeff, uh, send us an email at hello at the dragon That's right. I'm currently without a recording contract. <laughs> Shockingly. <laughs> so you're thinking of it almost like a sea shanty kind well, of. Well, it's it's a soldier song, right? Yeah. So it's, it's like a drinking song. That's mm-hmm. what I think. Yeah. It's something you can sing while you're marching. Mm. I was thinking it was more along the lines of Pharrell's, like, Happy. You know, <laughs> a song that just never ends. <laughs> because we're Jack of the Shadows. <laughs> yeah, Matt's, Matt's not getting, like, not really getting into, into the celebration. No, he's sitting there like, like, how did this happen? <laughs> but then Melindra shows up and she's kind of creepy and weird. You think so? I think it's a little weird. I mean, she's got, like, a bottle of raw whiskey or something in her in her hand right yeah mm-hmm. she's there to celebrate with him and matt's got his own theme his own verse to jack in the shadows now which i think is great <laughs> he's got a theme song and they even wrote him a verse that's just about him <laughs> that's super awesome yeah matt's been sitting here this whole time half thinking like oh crap how am i going to sneak out now that i'm a war hero and half thinking like what am i going to do when melindra finds out that i was sneaking out on her mm-hmm but she's totally cool with it. She's like, yeah, of course you went out to kill the enemy commander. That's what I would expect. <laughs> oh, oh, Matt. But you think she's creepy? I'm still really suspicious of her. Like, why? What's the point of her character? What has she added to the story in um, any way? She makes Matt's dick wet. That's true. <laughs> okay. That's true. <laughs> okay. I, mean, I think he really appreciates that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but he's been having sex with women, like, literally this entire series. Has he? We don't know for sure. I mean, he's been tickling them. <laughs> yeah, tickling and kissing them or whatever. Kissing a, kissing a cuddle. Yeah. So I just, I don't know why she's here and it makes me suspicious. Hmm. All right. Because she has done a little bit of the warm tonguing too. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, she has. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the IEL are into, you know. <laughs> so Mets, he, he's thinking like, okay, I'm just going to walk away from this when the, the Terran and the Kyrian and Lords both come and pledge loyalty to him. Yep. Because they're like, even if I didn't know you were friends with the Lord Dragon, I would follow you because you are the best. Mm-hmm. And they, they make an interesting point that, that luck seems to side with him even in battle. Like, we, I think you mentioned a couple points where they would have lost the battle except some other people randomly showed up and started yeah. fighting the same guys. So his luck seems to to cascade down yeah. to his troops. And this is a common theme among military historians in the real world is that the number one trait for a general is luck. Yeah. Because there's so much chaos in battle that you can only plan for so much. And that if you're lucky, you can accomplish amazing things. But if you're not lucky, then no one ever knows your name. Because you die. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You get stabbed through the liver with aisle spears. Right. So he's stuck again. And, uh, yeah. Something that's interesting, too, is we were talking about how it's just all the small steps, well, not small steps, that happened for Matt to become engaged in this battle and mm-hmm. what it took from him running away to there. But when you think about it, it's really easy to map out all the steps that got him to there, too, you know? If the Trollings hadn't made them have to go into Shot or Logoth, if Matt hadn't been a total idiot and gone out and found <laughs> the the dagger if 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 to you know mm-hmm. to the point where he because it made him lose his memories and then he wanted them back it's just interesting to see that progression yeah it's it's as they occasionally say it's it's not that Taverin get everything they want it's that the pattern uses them mm-hmm. and the pattern like forces them to where it needs them to be to affect other people's lives mm-hmm. i mean but but the pattern does definitely it's it's interesting to see how the pattern sends resources if if that makes sense like Rand needed a tactician, so the pattern, like, 3D printed <laughs> a tactician out for him in the right, form of yeah. Matt's memories. It's yeah, like, it's like, oh, who's that kid standing next to him? Okay, we'll just delete his memories and give him some new ones. That's right. Done. Yeah, now we got a, good, we got a general for him. That'll be good. I don't think the pattern did it. I think it's all just pure luck. That's what the pattern is. The pattern is a series of, of circumstances that happen, and, and, I mean, just think about what happens around Rand. That's all pattern, right? 
all the weird shit that happens, it's like the craziest luck ever. Mm-hmm. That's the pattern, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, because it, it is portrayed as luck. So how much of it is the pattern intentionally making his luck go a certain way and how much of it is the pattern just sort of making his luck crazy and seeing what happens? It's hard to say. We don't, we don't know how uh, sentient, aware, whatever the pattern is. Yeah. Well, I, well the pattern is Robert Jordan, so very sentient. <laughs> <laughs> well, not anymore. But like, <laughs> Sorry, too soon. Wow. But like what you said about how Rand needed a tactician, so it through this really long series of steps, it Matt became that. Like, I don't think that's something that the pattern can actually plan. I it, think that's exactly what the pattern is. It's something does. it can arrange for, but I don't think that there's... I don't think that there's like a somebody directing it. Not somebody, but but you have to think of like if you think of the pattern as this like this this course this woven course, then it makes perfect sense that you you can trace this thread from that because that's the weave that's the weave of the pattern that you're seeing. So mm-hmm. and here's the way I think about it: the whatever is weaving the pattern, the pattern weaves itself or something in the terminology. It doesn't follow the same time causality pattern or. or sequence of time causality that we see. You know, where we, we, we are at one moment in this narrative and we know what's already happened, but we don't know what's going to happen. The way I see it, the pattern can look forward to the point where Brand is going to need a general and it picks another thread and pulls it at that point. Oh. And that has like a retroactive causality thing where it goes backwards in time and yanks Matt into all of these places where he needs to be to get that thread into the place where Rand needs it to be. And that's sort of what it means to be Tavaran, right? I envision the pattern as not controlling things with a guiding hand controlling everything. It's that there's some point, probably the last battle, that the pattern wants to be a certain way and it's jerking all the threads, which is pulling everything probably in both directions. It's pulling events in the past and pulling events in the future uh, into a different shape to make the the threads be the way the pattern wants them to be at that time. Mm-hmm. And you could say that all those weird rippling things that happen around Rand aren't random at all. They just have, we just can't see the the intended effects of them. Or, or maybe they're just side effects, yeah. right? Maybe they're they're just threads being bumped in weird ways that wouldn't have happened if something wasn't yanking on the weave. Yeah. But I, I don't know. That's it's that's not well supported by the text. That's just sort of how I think about it. Mm-hmm. So it's not that the pattern is like saying, okay, Matt, whispering in his ear, now go take a dagger like a moron. Mm-hmm. But that's just the shortest path to get Matt to where the pattern needs to be. Mm-hmm. But the, the narrative part of it, this whole battle scene is so fun to read. This Matt just sort of bumbles its way into being this badass general. I really like it when the general part of Matt takes over. Me too. And I, it's, I really like too how Robert Jordan is able to describe these tactics so clearly that somebody who has literally no understanding of warfare can follow and understand. Yeah, very clear. You're right. Mm-hmm. And that's not easy to do. A lot of people try and fail. And it's also interesting because he marries a lot of different things. You've got the the, the pikes, you've got them doing the hedgehog thing, which was a Roman um, thing, right? It's been done by many different people. Yeah, oh, okay. the, 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 was it the phalanx, I think, did that? Uh, yeah, the, the Roman Romans, phalanx. I think they called it when they did it the testudo. Mm-hmm. Which was, it means turtle. Turtle, yeah. 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 And you've got the cavalry, and then you've got what basically is the artillery. And it's all just kind of coming together. Mm-hmm. So, Rand wakes up to an Avienda lecture. Because that's what he gets as a reward for his battle. I don't say this very often, but for once I kind of agree with Avienda. Really? Yeah, Rand is being awfully martyry lately. Like, he's doing a lot of like, oh, I have to go do this thing, and I have to like burn all that is myself, and... In pursuit of this, you know, but but really he needs to be conserving himself a little bit. Better, yeah, I think. and the way she says it, I actually wrote, I kind of like Avienda now on the side now. Really? Because, well, because the way she puts it, she's not, she's talking sense. She's not saying, oh, you're a stupid man and you're being stubborn. She's saying, dude, you need to conserve your resources. You have to be strong because you're the Karakarn and you have an obligation to the entire Aeo people. Oh, so wow. she's making a very solid point and she's doing it. And she's not insulting him oh, when, well, by doing true. it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I just had a knee jerk response like, back off. You know, this is, I, I just did something really difficult, really important, and I don't need a lecture right now. Well, he did something difficult, but whether it was like what turned the course of the battle is hard to say since he was off by himself, you know, going mad in the, in the <laughs> right. battlefield after the battle was sort of over, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he was still fighting Samael, so the wizard battle may, may have still been going on. Maybe, yeah. yeah. 
but he needed somebody to do that at some point at that point and that was her way of supporting him um, and Asmodian even says uh, I understand that a man can kill or gentle himself doing what you did strengthen the powers useless if the body's exhausted sighting can easily kill if the body's exhausted or so I've heard. Which yeah, right, yeah. is like, I mean, I, I heard I, somewhere. I, I heard a song about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a glee human. <laughs> so Avienda gives him a, a quick recap of the battle. Um, they won, total victory. The four clans have joined together, but now they're in negotiations to join up with Rand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's great. I, I made a special note that Asmodian is very impressed by Matt and Rand. He says, I'd really like to meet Perrin at some point. <laughs> Which I just, I like it that somebody mentioned Perrin. I miss Perrin. <laughs> Me too. So I, I've talked about this before, but I think this is the book where I sort of dropped off this series uh, for a long time because Perrin was my favorite character, and he's not in this book at all. He's not. And I was just like, where's Perrin? What happened to Perrin? And he's just gone forever, you know? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, Asmodian would not be disappointed because I believe last we left off, Perrin was now the king of the two rivers <laughs> right. and uh, the, the leader of uh, a pack of wolves and I don't know. It's just... Right, yeah. <laughs> Perrin Trolloc's lair, Perrin Golden Eyes. Yeah, that's right. And I also really like that Asmodian thinks that I.L. humor is fucked up and not particularly funny. <laughs> that's true. Oh, and Rand is even thinking, like, this guy has lived for millennia and he still thinks that this that their <laughs> right. sense of humor is fucked up. He pledged his soul to the Dark One in the depths of Shall go. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you guys are dicks. <laughs> uh, so Rand has lots of memories of Samael, which he doesn't seem to be fighting as much as he used to. That's useful. He knows right. Samael's name, uh, which is Tel Jenin Ayalinsar. Mm-hmm. It's a mouthful. But all, all, I guess all the ancient names are, because his is Luce Theron Telamon, is that right? That's right, yeah. yeah. Long names. Yeah, I, I'm speaking as a Jeff Lake, I think. Long names are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, okay, maybe this is why I'm pissed off at Avienda, because what's overall happening here is that Avienda and the Wise Ones are keeping information from Rand. I yes, that upset agree. me a lot. Because yeah. the Lords of Tear, sorry, the Lords of Tear and Kyrian have come to visit Rand, and they turned him away, and they weren't going to tell Rand. Yeah, like, this is to the point of being traitorous to me. Yeah, right? This is, this is very important. It's and, almost like a coup. Yeah, it's like a palace coup, uh, because Rand is asleep. And, I mean, I get that he needs to conserve his energy, but when he woke up, they should have told him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But guess who bros up and comes through? Asmodian. Yeah. 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 And, and Avienda like, is like, what are you doing? And Asmodian's like, I don't work for you. <laughs> That's right. I work for the fucking dragon. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling the dragon what he wants to know. <laughs> right. And, and even, even beyond that, they're, there's, they're in these negotiation talks, and they refuse to give him information about what's going on with the other clans, too, which, again... Very useful and very important information for him to have. Yeah, making some kind of Aiel thing, where the wise ones have to do a bunch of negotiations that are secret from men or something like that. But still, come on. I'm gonna say it. I hate the wise ones. Yes. Yeah. I I don't always hate them, but in this moment, I am with you, Jeff. The wise ones are very frustrating. Yeah. Welcome to the team. Because to me, this is like I get when they're making decisions that they think are going to benefit. The, the big picture and they, they think they're making like st- important st- strategic decisions but this is inf- information that would make Rand better at his job and that's not that's not in their it's yeah. in their well, to do that I think their motivation here is that they're looking out for the Aiel exclusively mm-hmm. they're not looking at the big picture yeah they're they're trying to control Rand's information in order to control the power mm-hmm. which is exactly what the Terran lords and the Kyrian lords attempt to do for the rest of these chapters mm-hmm. and is portrayed as something you know, quite bad for them to do, that Rand smacks them down for. Yeah. I feel like the wise ones need to get smacked down, honestly. Yeah, I really wish they would. So, yeah, the, the Terran lords and the Kyrian lords were turned away, and there's all this kind of palace intrigue stuff, type stuff they tried to do, because the game of houses has begun once again. Uh-huh. And there's, Rand is playing it. There's a funny kind of moment here where Rand learns that Matt killed Kuladin. And it's it's interesting to me because Rain is probably the only person in this entire group who knows exactly how Matt feels. Everyone's like, <laughs> Matt's so cool. Oh, we did this thing. And Rain's like, man, Matt's probably really pissed off. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, know, right? He didn't make it after all. <laughs> he Poor Matt. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> and uh, Rand prepares for a different sort of battle. And uh, orders Asmodian to get his horse. Can I say I still think it's a little funny that all the Forsaken gave themselves badass names? Like they all have, they all have original names, right? That are from their names from ancient times. But nobody knows them by those names. They know them by these like 
Names oh, right, yeah. Asmodian. <laughs> I named myself after a killer spider. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like something you would do as like a teenager or something. And then, in know, the old... <laughs> like a gamer handles thing. what you became known as. <laughs> right, yeah. No, no, call me Terror Demon. <laughs> Chapter 46. Other battles. Other weapons. Well, icon of the full Aes Sedai symbol. The old one from the Age of Legends with both the, the white and the black. So you remember how a few minutes ago I said that I like Avianda now? Mm-hmm. I don't like her again. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, this is dumb. This like naked scavenger hunt that she makes him do. <laughs> right, she hides his clothes. Yeah. You can't leave the tent without your clothes. It's so awkward. I mean, he couldn't even make himself like some badass fire clothes or something with the power. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, he, he's probably, probably, he probably can't right now, actually, but normally maybe. Yeah. But th- this is just her method of controlling him because, oh, you need to rest. You, d- you can't. Nothing else is really important that you could go do. This is, it, yeah, this is pretty aggravating. Okay, but I'm glad you mentioned that, Jeff, because something occurred to me as we were going through this. And it's not, as far as I can tell, not supported in the text anywhere else, except we keep hearing these things. Is Asmodian actually wearing clothes? What? So they've commented several times now about this. He's never sweating. His clothes are always in perfect condition, and his, his, his outfits change regularly. Is Asmodean... Right. There's a point in this chapter when he brings back the horse, Rand is like, somehow he found time to change clothes. Exactly. That's what made me think of it. I don't think Asmodean's actually wearing clothes. <laughs> I think his clothes are an illusion. They always... <laughs> They're just talking about how he just like randomly changes clothes, or, and how he has all these perfect outfits. He's and always he... lounging around. So it's he... like Teleran Riyadh, where if you think about it, you can I create think, this clothes for yourself? He's, creative, always, he's always saying, like, oh, my talents lie in other areas, but he doesn't say what that is. Wait. He's making illusory clothes. <laughs> you know, I feel like this makes the connection to Michael Jackson that much stronger. You know, because Michael mm-hmm. Jackson had a very, was very famous for his sense of fashion. Oh, it's true, right? Like he, he was a perfectionist with his look. Yeah. And he never sweat, right? You could always tell this guy. Yeah, yeah. he always had true. like pure, pure white clothing. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. So a I lot think, of costume changes. So I think Asmodean is freeballing 24 7. <laughs> I think you're right. You know, I <laughs> it just occurred to me because he appears and he's changed outfits. So I was like, you can't do that unless those aren't real clothes. <laughs> you know, this, I, I can't come up with a counter argument here. I think we're going to find out that like Natale means butt naked in the old Well, Natal, like as naked when you as like when you're baby? born. Naked yeah. as a baby? Uh huh. Oh my god, he's been naked this whole time. It's yeah. all there. <laughs> Oh man, Rand needs to wash every chair in his I get rid of those cushions. He's like, man, man, Natale, it's so hot in here. And he's like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Uh, I like your interpretations. Thank you, guys. Like, it occurred to me and I had to share that with you guys. <laughs> if I could do that, I would. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Absolutely. That's like the best pot. Like you, you get all the comfort of like being, you know, free in your your body, but none mm-hmm. of the shame because you're always covered in the nicest outfit you can imagine mm-hmm. anytime. It's great. It's great. <laughs> Y'all are never allowed to sit on my couches ever again. I mean, my clothes are real, as far as you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never tell. <laughs> So, eventually, Ren finds his stupid clothes, which Avian is sitting on. So, I'm glad we wasted that time on that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, him searching his tent for, you know, his... Yeah, it's important not to let Ren be too proud of this epic victory that he just won. Let's humiliate him a bit. I was talking more about the time it took us to read those pages. Mm-hmm. It was a waste. Yeah. Yeah. Off of that. So, his plan is he's going to ride into Kyrian. Because mm-hmm. the, the Kyrian and then the Terran lords are already trying to play the game of houses and, and win influence with them, so he's just going to ride in by himself. This is something that happens periodically in history with certain generals. Mostly, mostly when a conquering general enters the city, it's at this great procession where he tries to wow everybody with his grandeur. But notably Washington, uh, when he went into New York, uh, after, New York, after the British left New York and the Revolutionary War was over, he just rode in on his horse because he didn't want a big pomp and procession or anything. Mm-hmm. Because a, a big part of Washington's thing was the was he didn't want people to put him up to make him a king. He wanted to be just a, a citizen. He wanted this the new country to be like a, a country of citizens. Mm-hmm. I think you could probably draw a parallel in, to Rand in that regard because I, I don't think Rand has any interest in being 
uh, a lord or a king. I think he just wants to have people be okay. You know, he's he's here in his mind, at least in a purely benevolent way. I guess. No, right? well, I I disagree with that. I yeah. think he's got his eyes on the bigger target, which is the last battle. Yeah. I think he wants to unify all the nations of the earth, and he doesn't actually give a shit about the throne of Kyrian. No, you're right. That's true. As long as their troops are fighting for him, he doesn't care. Uh, as he's passing through the camp, he passes 20,000 prisoners. That's a lot. But not very many when you consider that their army was initially, initially 160,000 That's true. It's not that many. Uh, but a lot of people must have died. This was a huge battle. If yeah. this had happened in real world history, it would be one of the biggest battles of all time. It's true. He, uh, Rand has a new standard bearer named Pevin. That's the <laughs> most brutal backstory ever. Yeah, yeah. it's so sad. Yeah. Just everybody in his family has died. Yeah. And he it, knows he's going to die, but he thinks if he stays with Randolph Thor, he'll at least get vengeance. I mean, will he? Vengeance on who? The world. The world that wronged him. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Pevin seems like a real downer, honestly. <laughs> I'm, I'm sad about his family and everything. <laughs> I'm not sure he's the guy I'd want, you know... Hanging around me all the time, carrying my, my flag. He's not going to be, like, enthusiastically waving that flag, right? <laughs> well, okay. The purpose of the Bannerman is they are the hardest of core. Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah, because the Bannerman doesn't have a weapon. They're the guy in the unit that, that can't defend themselves. Hmm. So they have to be the bravest. And often they're, like, the cripple also oh, okay. because they don't have to fight. Yeah. But the Bannerman is, like... But yeah, the the most diehard. He's like the one that goes down last. Well, and that so makes sense because he's got literally nothing else to lose. Mm-hmm. So he's the right guy for the thing. We also have some hot new Aiel fashion looks. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, I guess they're wearing the Aes Sedai seal on their forehead. Yeah, they're wearing right now. sweet yin-yang headbands. <laughs> it's it's got to I mean, that's got to be a little ridiculous, right? Yeah, well, it, apparently it's some kind of weird self-negation thing where they... They're wearing it because they believe that they are the spear of the dragon. Yeah. Like but, he owns them. But the guy Shin are wearing it too, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so the customs are breaking and changing. And I don't know if that's good or bad yet. It's interesting. So this... Conf- this, I don't know if I bought this because we're talking about these 20,000 Aeol, right? Who have been mm-hmm. captured. I'm assuming it's mostly Aeol because it says that they're in groups of 40 or 50 and sometimes there's a guy Shan watching over there and sometimes not. But there's... N- not anything really preventing them from trying to make a break for it. Right. Right. Um, so. Well, Giotto, right? Yeah, Giotto, but that's what I was going to say, because haven't the Shido, like, kind of abandoned Giotto, or was it just Kooladin? Well, Kooladin did, and, and, and Rand makes the argument that he's not sure he trusts them because they would argue that they were just following orders, but he would say that they still follow those orders, they didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Aiel seem to think that it, at least that their honor is still intact. To the degree that they will remain where they are. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be working. He's, I think he comments on the fact that people keep returning back to the little prison area after they've done their tasks. So. Yeah. Probably an important factor is that Kooladin is dead. There's nowhere else for them to go. Mm-hmm. That's true. They could join up with the remnants, but they don't really have a plan. Previously, they could have argued that they were breaking with tradition because Kooladin was the Karakarn, but he's dead. He's not the Karakarn, so no mm-hmm. more of that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Overall, the Aiel seem to be going crazy a little bit. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they have the... What's it called? The bleakness? Yeah, the bleakness, and now there's the Spear of the Dragon thing, and some of the people are refusing to stop being Guy Shane, and I don't know. It doesn't seem like a great thing. Yep. Well, it, the, the prophecy said they're going to destroy all but, I think, a tenth of a tenth or something. Mm-hmm. So, Rand finally uh, heads into Kyrian. They, they ride past the piles of corpses on the battlefield. It was a very unpleasant experience. And they also passed Kadir. Yeah. And Moraine is there just sort of checking on the artifacts. And apparently he thinks Isindra ran away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. What else? I mean... I wonder what he did with the body. I think he chopped it up. Is the uh, he Where'd all the blood go? He ate it. He ate the blood? Look at him. <laughs> oh my god he is not a camp <gasps> what if it's what if Kadir is Bran Alvir or his brother oh my god Kadir Alvir oh that man. would make perfect sense it would make all the sense the dots just connected you're so right Alice he's uh-huh. a traveling peddler where do peddlers go the two rivers that's right yeah <laughs> oh man and that's probably where he picked up his taste for human flesh I bet he's like always trying to lose weight but he keeps having to eat people <laughs> 
<laughs> and he's like, I'm trying to bring my calorie count down, but I can't do it. Yeah, because Egwene's there, but she I don't think she's ever interacted with him, so she might not even know that it's like her uncle. It's, it's Uncle Kadir. It's Uncle Kadir, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Kadir Alvier. Uncle Kadir Alvier. The cannibal. <laughs> the known cannibal. <laughs> but yeah, that is a good question. What happened to Asindra? Because the maidens, it says they nearly tore the wagons apart trying to find her, so... Yeah, but something. I don't he know. must have buried her under some rocks somewhere if he didn't eat her. Mm-hmm. So when Rand gets to Kyrian, he gets a rapturous reception by the people. Um, they, he's the deliverer, right? They all want to just touch his boot. But you can see that Kyrian's been... It's been pretty rough there. There's a lot of people who are starving, living in these like tents, or just standing out in the open because yeah. siege is bad. Yeah, it's real bad. But eventually, he, he reaches a much more manipulative and stage managed political reception by High Lord Maelon. God, this guy's such a douche. He is a douche. Why do we need this guy? I I just hope that Rand's gonna do something real nasty about this guy because I feel like he's he's bad news. I mean, Rand did right. Like that's why he's here in the first place. Well, he he sent him away. <laughs> to Kyrian. Yeah, I think he says at one point, you know, but the idea was I sent him someplace I thought I'd never go. And <laughs> right. I ended up there. Yeah, now I gotta hang out with this dude again. But they're, it's all game of houses. Maelon is is trying to jockey for favor with Rand, and the other lords are also, and the, the Terran lords are kind of holding down the Kyrian and lords. Uh, and they he goes into the through the city, into the palace, which is pretty cool. I don't think we ever got a description of this part of Kyrian before. Yeah, I don't think so. So it's cool, you know. <laughs> And in the palace, the lords all offer him the throne, which he declines. Oh, I like it that, that there's this like moment where Rand is just start kind of just like fucking with him a little bit. I think it's when he gets off his horse, he like intentionally approaches like two random ones and like gives them a like, handshake and it's like gives a, a dirty look to like two others mm-hmm. just to like fuck with them. Like, right, well, he's yeah. playing the game of houses, so it's nice to know that Moraine's teachings, he has actually le- gained some important information from her. He actually listened. I don't know that he's being strategic about it. It seems like he's just sowing discord. Well, that's a good strategy, too. Yeah, that's the, that is his strategy. Yeah. Is to divide people and, and conceal your plans. Yeah. yeah. Cause uncertainty among them so they'll fight among each other. But uh, Rand quickly straightens out the Terrans and Kyrianans and, and forces the Terrans to stop uh, shitting on the Kyrianans. Makes them all organize themselves by rank instead of by uh, Terran over Kyrianan. Which is nice, because Rand doesn't care about any of that stuff. Yeah. So And the, you, the lords all line up and swear fealty to him. He makes them kiss his spear. He does make them <laughs> kiss his spear. It's a little suggestive. That's got to be a gross spear, actually. Yeah. Awkward. It's been just like hanging out in his tent for days, just like sitting around. He's, he's been carrying it around, like playing with it. And it's, right, yeah. Asmodian's probably touched it. Well, it's <laughs> weird, too, because it's his Shanchen spear, right? Yeah. The one that broke off when he came back from... From Bone Town. Bone Town, yeah. Yeah, his bone cation. <laughs> that's yeah. that's weird that he chose that. Well, it's his yeah. scepter. It's like he's going to use it as his uh, talisman of power. Okay. So probably, I mean, he's only like twenty one or something. It's just it's cool, right? Like yeah. check out this awesome spear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got tassels on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in, in this moment, he is. I think he's more Luz Theron Telamon than he is Randall Thor. I think there's been a lot of that happening lately, which. Mm-hmm. Is necessary for running a battle because I mean he is a sheep herder otherwise, right? Yeah, don't have a lot of experience with this stuff. And somebody who's mentioned incidentally, but I'm very curious about is a lady Colavere, who is very similar to Moraine. So I'm curious what her story is. Yeah, she's Kyrian and like Moraine. I think yeah. that's the idea. Is like Moraine and Moraine is Kyrian and and has experience like with this this way of. Being, I guess. Oh, okay. I was wondering if maybe she was also from House Damadred or something. Since probably. he bothered to give her a name, I feel like she might have some significance. If she's a high lady, they're probably all related to each other. Mm-hmm. It's very possible. This could be Moraine's cousin or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rand is thinking here, I wish Moraine was here to you know give me some tips here. But I wonder if Moraine intentionally absented herself from this because she didn't want to appear like she was controlling him. You know, that, that's an, I, I, when I was reading that point where he, he almost... Went and got Moraine, and she kind of turned away. All I can think to myself is he really needs her right now. But maybe you're right. Maybe that would be the exact wrong impression to give if he's doing things and she's whispering in his ear. Especially because that would pretty firmly tie him to the Aes Sedai. Yeah. And in yeah. and, and, and everyone else's mind, that would be the White Tower, even though we know that it's not the case and Moraine is not yeah. from the White Tower. Uh, Moraine's focus seems to have shifted also. 
she's focused on these artifacts. She's not trying to cram all of her knowledge into Rand as much as she used to. So I wonder what she's up to. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I don't know. Do, I'm not sure she knows what she's going to do with these artifacts yet, right? Because she can't take them to the White Tower anymore. She knows that. Yeah, right. Good question. I wonder if she's able to get the blue Aja message about Saladar. That's a good question. We. It seems like she wouldn't have had an opportunity, considering every time they've been through has been like killed by <laughs> Kuladin. But who knows? Who knows mm. what her network is like? I love these chapters. So awesome. It was. Great. I agree. Yeah. The, the this Robert Jordan writes great battles. It, like fight scenes and larger scale battles. It's it's really one of the things he's best at. And these were great examples of it. Yeah, I gotta say, like I said at the beginning, reading this, I thought this was probably some of the best writing we've read so far and talking about it. Like, I like it even more. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm super excited to finish this book and see where he's going from here. Yeah, this this and the chapters with Perrin and his uh, fights in the two rivers were, I think, my favorite. Oh, yeah, Perrin's same, battle in kind of the two right? rivers was great. great. So that's it for this episode. Next time, we're going to cover chapters 47 through 49 of The Fires of Heaven. I am Jeff Lake. That's Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan at Alice M. Sullivan. I'm Michael Sparkman. I don't have one of those. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. We love hearing from you. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Club. Please like us in real life. We're super likable. Until next time, the, the light, light illumine you. you.